Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths about the true treasures of life. The words of a man are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as flowing brook. In other words, a man that is truly wise, a man that is truly led of the Lord, his resources are deep, continuous wellspring of wisdom flowing. And they are so deep that he's never exhausted for that because he's drawing from Jesus Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You can lock up your children and hope they aren't affected by the world. Or you can have the confidence to set them free to experience life to the fullest. That is, if you first ground them in the wise words and simple truths of the Scriptures to live by. Today, Pastor Xavier helps set the path for righteous living for both you and the generations to come. Continuing our verse-by-verse study series, let's join him for today's insightful look into the book of Proverbs. Chapter 17, verse 1. He says, Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Isn't that the truth? You know, you can have filet mignon, lobster and steak and everything else. But if there's continuous strife in your home and there's no peace, there is no joy, you even hate to get home. You'd rather go to McDonald's and eat a hamburger there, man. Stay in the garage. Verse 2, he says, A wise servant shall have rule over a son that causes shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. Diligence to a son that he might walk in the right way. The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord trieth the hearts. Everything has a refining process. The heart of man is tried by the Lord. He tries the motives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, We must all appear before the beam of seat of Christ and judge nothing before his time, for God will judge the motives or the intents of the heart in that day. He says the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And also he speaks about it in Romans chapter 14, verse 10. We must all appear before the beam of seat of Christ. And then we will find out what motives we did many of the things in our life. Verse 4, he says, A wicked doer giveth heed to false lips, and a liar giveth ear to a naughty tongue. Okay, this is a beautiful picture of the Pharisees and Pilate. Whoso mocketh the poor reproacheth his maker, and he that is glad at calamity shall not be unpunished. In the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, much is said about the poor and much provision is made for the poor. God does not take it lightly when people mock the poor or reproach them because in direct relationship they are reproaching their maker, God. And some people just really get off at the calamity of others. And yet God says they will not go unpunished. Verse 6, it says, Children's children are a crown of an old man, grandchildren to grandparents. And the glory of children are their fathers. You know, when parents become grandparents, they are proud. They really look forward to spending time with their grandchildren because they know the mistakes they made with their children. And they really are more patient. They're more tolerable. They have more time to listen to the children. And it's a beautiful stage of life. And yet here it says that these grandchildren are crowned 
to their grandparents. They're proud. I look at some grandparents that really don't take time to spend time with their grandchildren, and I really see how much they're missing out. I equally know that the children miss out because children need grandparents. There is a balance there. They need parents and they need grandparents. It is important for their development. And yet the tragedy that even today, children don't even have proper parents as examples, let alone grandparents. What's going to become of those children? And then the glory of children are their fathers. Children are imitators of their parents. You look at your son or your daughter, they stand like you, they walk like you, they give impressions like you. They ask something, they make stances like you, everything, and they look just like you because they love you. They want to be just like you. Now that's scary. <laughs> so I have to make sure that Christ lives through me as much as is in me to yield to Christ. It's important. Verse 7, he says, Excellent speech becometh not a fool, much less do lying lips a prince. Okay, it's very obvious what it's saying there. They don't jive. Verse 8, it says, A gift is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it. Whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. Now, the gift is not in terms of gaining favor, but the gift of kindness. If you are a generous man, if you are a sensitive person, then you're going to gain favor in the eyes of other people. They're going to recompense you for that which is of value and quality in you. And it's going to open doors. Verse 9, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth every friend. We had a proverb similar to that in chapter 10, verse 12, where it says, Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. James 5, 12 says, Love covers a multitude of sins. You show me a person that truly has the love of Jesus Christ and I'll show you a person that is always ready to cover sin. And when I say cover sin, I don't mean to turn his back upon it. But that if he comes to the knowledge of sin in someone's life, whether it be directly from that person or indirectly by somebody else, what he or she will do is pray for that individual first of all. And if nothing takes place, he will confront that individual in exhortation and prayer. And he won't tell anybody else. So if that person ever repents, nobody knows about it. That's love. What we usually do is, hey, do you know brother and so-and-so or sister, you know what they're doing? I mean, you better, I'm telling you because I want you to pray for them. Sure. See, we have to watch our heart, watch our motives. The latter portion of Proverbs says, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. If after a person has kept it to himself and has been praying and admonished them and instructed them, and they repent, but they go back as a dog to its vomit. There comes a point where that person will just kind of separate themselves from that person because they see no true repentance because that person keeps repeating that sin. Where there is true repentance, there will not be practice or repetition of that which has been repented from. It's important. Verse 10, it says, The reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. You know, you can beat some people and they don't learn. There are some kids that are like that. Maybe you have kids like that. And I don't mean that they're evil. But all children are different in temperament and in character. And some kids you can just spank, spank, spank. It's not going to do them any good. You have to deal with them. You have to seek for wisdom and knowledge. Pray to the Lord, God, show me how to instruct my children, how to discipline them. What's the best way for them? So we each have a responsibility to seek the Lord for what is the proper discipline. Verse 11 
He says, An evil man seeketh only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. You know, God will turn the tables on people sometimes. I think of Saul in 1 Samuel 16, 14. When God had already rejected him and he would not quit hunting down David. And it says there that God sent an evil spirit to Saul. And he let the spirit of God depart from him. That's heavy. Evil spirits are under the authority of God. Satan and his angels are vessels of God at times. Did you know that? They have boundaries. They're not all powerful. They're not all knowing. They're not all present. And they need permission many times. We get a classic example in the book of Job where God solicited the testing upon Job to Satan. He said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He's upright. He hates evil. He says, oh, he only serves you because you got a hedge around him. Take that hedge down. Let me at him. He says, okay. He needed permission. So here it says that God will send a cruel messenger unto him. Now verse 12 says, let a bear robbed of her wells meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. <laughs> He's saying, you know what? You would be better off to encounter a bear that has just been ripped off of her cubs and rip you up. You would probably stand a better chance than to stand walking with a fool in his folly. He's surely to bring mischief upon you and destruction. Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. God does not look kindly to people who are always messing with God's people or in evil. And I am convinced that God in his time settles all his accounts. Not all at one time, but he does sooner or later. Later, Abigail became David's wife. She's a beautiful woman in the Bible. Verse 14, he says, The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. <laughs> you get that? It's a beautiful picture. Turn on a faucet. The more you leave it on, the more water you get. You start beginning stirring strife, and before you know it, you've got so much you can't handle it. You better leave it off while you can, lest you end up drowning in it. Verse 15 says, He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. I think of our nation today, our today's courts. We throw the innocent in jail and we let go of the pervert out in the street and the wicked and the murderer. It's amazing. They were just speaking on the news the other day that they're going to start releasing more men from prison because they're too crowded. Men that really shouldn't be out, but they got no choice. They're going to start from the least going up. So we'll have rapists and uh, child molesters and everything else. Our nation is really going downhill. Verse 16 says, Wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he has no heart to it? Even when he has the opportunity of fool to get wisdom, he doesn't take advantage of it. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. There are friends that stick by your side through a lot of heavy things, but there are some things that only a brother would stick through, <laughs> and he's always there. A man void of understanding striketh hands and becometh surety in the presence of his friends. The Proverbs say much about being surety for somebody else, guaranteeing for somebody else, or coming into agreement with somebody else about something you're not sure of. And he says here, a man that is void of understanding does such a thing. He loveth transgressions that loveth strife, and he that exalted his gate seeketh 
destruction. Pride is the center of this proverb again. He that hath a forward heart findeth no good, and he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. James has much to say about the tongue in chapter 3, and he mentions it in every chapter of the book of James. This speaks of a man whose heart is forward, he finds no good thing. Did you ever stop and think about how you used to measure people in the world? Or maybe you still do. And you just can't seem to find anything good in anybody. You always find something bad in them. And that's because you usually find something in them that you don't like about yourself or that is true about yourself. And the standard to judge others is yourself, your perverseness, your wickedness, your faults, your weaknesses. That's what the proverb says here. He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his own sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. Who wants to have a fool for a son? It brings sorrow to his life and takes away joy from him. He's always got to be worried about him. What is he into? Verse 22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. This is so true. Whenever your heart is merry, Whenever you're content, when things are flowing and the Lord is just ministering and man, things are going good, man, you're jumping for joy. But all of a sudden when something comes and breaks your heart, it's very hard to be alive and to be just really joyous. And nothing seems to really cheer you up. It's like brokenness and dried up bones. Read Psalm 32 when you get a chance. David cries out in that day when his heart was broken and nothing would lift him up. And then God ministers to him, and we see his heart rejoice in the Lord. A wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment, bribery. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the end of the earth. In other words, a wise man has understanding always before him. He's thinking things through. He's looking at things carefully. But a fool... He's looking at the, at the end result and he's not really concerned about the details that are important. Scatterbrain. Verse 25. He says, The foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Also to punish the just is not good, nor to strike princes for iniquity or equity. Again, that's when the heads of government become corrupt. He that hath knowledge spareth his words and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. What's interesting is that if you let a person talk long enough, you find out how little they know. People think that because of their many words, they are going to appear wise. There's a proverb I shared with you before. It's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And many times that's what we do. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Silence is golden, they say. There's something to it here in the proverb. Chapter 18, verse 1 says, Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Whenever a man really be, wants to become wise or wants to seek the wisdom of God, he takes that time to separate himself. But first of all, he has to have the desire to do so. And he separates himself or herself to God that he might encounter or intermeddle with the wisdom of God and participate. But it takes that time of separation, consecration. We see that through the Bible completely. God would sanctify the people. God consecrated the priests. God set them apart for himself. The New Testament says this is even the will of God, even your sanctification 
in Christ Jesus, to set ourselves apart, to seek the Lord, to be holy as he is holy. A fool has no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. In other words, he leads himself into his fleshly desires and whatever turns him on. And the heart of man is perverse, Jesus says in Matthew 15, 19. Out of it proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and so on and so forth. Verse 3 says, When the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt, and with ignominy, hard word there, reproach. Ignominy means dishonor and disgrace. When wicked people come around, they're going to start contempt. They're going to stir up strife. They're going to bring damage. And after it happens, you're going to hold reproach to them because of the disgrace they brought upon you. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as flowing brook. In other words, a man that is truly wise, a man that is truly led of the Lord, his resources are deep. And what he does is they are a continuous wellspring of wisdom flowing, pure, of benefit. And they are so deep that he's never exhausted for that because he's drawing from Jesus Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 5, it says, It is not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Very clear. The fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes. The reference to strokes means to violence. In other words, he, he opens his mouth and he's always looking for trouble and most of the time he gets punched in the mouth. A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. How true this is. People that are talebearers, and they drop little hints and stories and gossips, and they destroy people's life. They go down into the innermost parts, and, and sometimes there's no recovery from it. He also that is slothful in his work is a brother to him that is a great waster. Now, what's interesting here is that the reference is to the slothful, and to the person that has much but doesn't value it. They're equally wrong. The lazy person that really doesn't want to work. But the person that has a lot, but he's not a good steward of it, and he wastes a lot of it. He calls them brothers. Verse 10, he says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. That's a neat problem. You know, as we see our weaknesses and we see our needs, God is like a strong tower to us, and, and we run into it. And we secure ourselves. Even the coney is wise, being so feeble. The proverb says, when he sees danger, he runs into the cleft of the rock, into the stones. He knows he's secure there. Shouldn't we learn from it that when we're feeble and we're under danger, we will run into the Lord, the strong tower, and abide there? The rich man's wealth is a strong city and as a high wall in his own conceit. Trusting in riches. James picks that up in chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. The rich man that trusts in the riches. Before destruction, the heart of man is haunty, and before honor is humility. Here's a contrast between pride and humility. Verse 13, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. You ever meet people like that? You're talking to them, and before you can even get out, and, oh, yeah, they start answering you, and you say, no, 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 that's not what I mean. you got to have an answer. They have an answer before you even say it. James 1.19 says, Be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Good advice. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? You know, there are things that our spirit will bear. You know, you break an arm and it hurts, but you can hang in there. You got to have an operation, you go through it. Your car gets all wrecked, you hate it, but you get over it. But 
Have your spirit wounded. Have your spirit broken. What happens? It's hard to get back up. It's difficult. That's why we have to nourish ourselves in the word that when we are so broken down in spirit, we can speak to ourselves as David says, Why art thou disquieted within me, O my soul? Hope thou in God. (laughs) And I lift the word that I might put myself in remembrance and trust in the promises of God over and over again. The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. Very clear. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Again, his kindness is noticed by people. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. The reference here is to your, the story always sounds good when you tell it, but there's also a second part to it. <laughs> there's a second side. Get all the facts. Verse 18 says, The lot causes contention to cease and parteth between the mighty. A decision is made. The brother offendeth is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contention are like a bar of a castle. The bars of a castle. You know, when your brother is open to be behind you, and you take advantage, I'm talking about a brother in the flesh, and you hurt him, and he becomes an opposite to you, it's very hard to reconcile your relationship together. It's a lot easier to reconcile a friendship than a brotherhood many times because those scars are deep. Jacob and Esau is a perfect example of that. It took 20 years. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. The proverb says you reap to what you sow. If you sow good, you're going to reap to good. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This is a scripture which all the positive confession people like to repeat because they figure if they speak negatively, it's going to come to pass. And therefore, they're always saying, oh, I'm not sick. Oh, God wants me to be rich. Oh, I'm healed. And yet they're sick. Jesus Christ said more negative things than positive things. I'm going to Jerusalem to hang on the cross. Oh, Jesus, you did it. Now you bought it. They're going to crucify you. Well, that was God's will from the foundation of the world. David says, surely I'm going to be dead at the hand of Saul one of these days. David, you confess it, you're going to get it. No, Saul was dead at the hand of God. God forbid that I be in bondage to my tongue or my mouth. Now, I don't think you should be a negative person because I think it does have an effect upon your personality. But God forbid we should be in bondage to what they call the rima, the spoken word. The only power behind any spoken word is God's words, not my own. Verse 22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. I like this. You see, God's perfect will is not singleness. Only if it's a gift of God, you're to be celibate. First Corinthians chapter 7 says, It's better to be married. It doesn't say it's a sin to be single. It says it's better to be married. If God gives you the gift of celibacy, praise the Lord. It'll be evident. You won't have no desires. So you wait on the Lord. And if you date, you date in the Lord. And make sure you get joined to the person that God would have for you, lest you enter into the biggest hassle of your life. A wife, whoever finds that wife, finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. God favors me because I have Trudy as my wife. And God has truly blessed me with my wife, Judy. So wait on the Lord. Make sure it's of the Lord that you may receive the blessing of the Lord. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and today's simple truths about waiting on God for all good things. And this message, another from his verse-by-verse series of the book of Proverbs, is simply titled Proverbs chapters 16 through 18 and is available on CD for only $4. A CD that will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Proverbs chapters 16 through 18 or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com